What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of SSPN Live. Ethan, it's been a little bit since we've done just like a straight up SSPN Live. Obviously, we've done a lot of post games, mm -hmm. which have been very enjoyable this season. Um, but, <laughs> but especially amidst the the twelve game losing streak. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. I think you know what starting it like that is a good way to start it, Ethan, because getting a little bit off track getting a little bit maybe off of rhythm, even though it really wasn't that bad. I'm just trying to make an analogy to, you know, sometimes when the Spurs think the the game is going to start a certain way, it, it doesn't start that way. And sometimes that's how our podcasts go. And um, that has really been the case for the Spurs this season, Ethan. Yeah, dude. I, I, again, I feel like a broken record saying that I feel like a broken record because the Spurs just continue to struggle and I guess the only silver lining, Jude, is at the very least they're not blowouts necessarily. Like, they're not clean and they're not fun to watch, but at least we're not losing by 30 like we were early, earlier in the year. Uh, we're only losing by like 15, which is still not fun. Uh, but I guess it's a slight improvement. Yeah, I would say that these last three games, you know, especially after how the Clippers game went and then just mm. the collapse against the Grizzlies, the fact that we've been in the game, you know, to some extent, not really in the not in the Nuggets game whatsoever. No, no. Um, but it, but in the the Clippers game and then that last Warriors game, even though the Warriors game was really kind of, you know, it was it we were really only in the game you know, on the scoreboard, you know what I'm saying? At the end of it, even though it got close and technically there was a chance that the Spurs maybe could have made some shots or done some things. But as we've seen on this 12 game losing streak, um, they're not there yet, Ethan. They are, they are young, young bucks still learning. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to our man, Courtney Runnels here in the comments. He says tonight is his 20 or today is his 28th birthday. So shout out to you, Courtney, shout out to Nick in here is what says happy birthday and here's what he also says he says i was thinking about jude when i read an article about dom barlow mm. he, he says more more time for barlow please i'm not against it you know i was very disappointed ethan because we can talk about the injury report if we want to talk about some spurs news there is unfortunately a chance victor Wembanyama doesn't play tomorrow he is questionable <sighs> due to hip soreness so that's just wonderful for our post game um yeah. but we'll be there regardless hopefully by some miracle he <laughs> he plays tomorrow uh in good news jeremy sohan is probable after being out uh getting a little bit of an injury there um i believe it was on his knee um just got a little bit banged up so he's back good to know that that wasn't anything major but dom barlow they said he was available. I was like, okay, well, if Wemby's questionable, this is this is a no brainer. And then they announced he's going to be in Austin. Oh. So, it, 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 I mean, like, I'm like, if Wemby doesn't play, can you at least give me Barlow, man? <laughs> hey, man, that your boy <laughs> is going to be the MVP of the G League. Let's just get that out of the way. Isn't he right. averaging like 30.3 right now with like 12 boards? I'm pretty sure he's going crazy. I like how what we're three minutes into this podcast and we're. <laughs> We talked about the Spurs for a little bit and we're already like, okay, let's talk about the Austin Spurs because <laughs> that's just once again, another example of how the season has gone. But it also is kind of pertinent um, because they did have a game yesterday against the Memphis Hustle um, that they, they won in blowout fashion. And Blake Wesley had one of his, probably one of his better G League games. Um, but still, man, like even though it was one of his better games and once I pull up the numbers here in a second, um, 
you know, there were good things, obviously. He had 14, uh, nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks on efficient shooting, four for six from three, five for eight overall, um, and and plus 30 in the box score, the highest on the team. Um, But still, man, you know, like... (laughs) If you remember our guy, Javante McCoy from Summer League, okay, mm-hmm. he had 22, 10, and 10. Oh, boy. So it's like, and, and Barlow had 28 and 5. That That's originally how this kind of connected with, you know, just how he's been scoring in the G League. It's almost basically every game for the Austin Spurs. He He's put up, I think the lowest total he's put up this season is, is about 24. I'd have to go check the averages on the G League website because they don't have that on ESPN where I just pulled up the box score. Um but going back to Blake Wesley, it's like even when he has one of his better games he's probably had on the Austin Spurs, he's still getting outplayed technically by Javante McCoy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, Eric Stevenson had 20 and six too. Like that's more than I would still say Blake had a, had more of an impact on the game. But that's just an example of how, you know, we talk so much about the point guard position this year, Ethan. Wouldn't it be nice if Blake would have made a jump over the summer, you know, being a former first-round draft pick? Yeah, it does hurt. He could he could address a lot of the issues for us right now, um, being that 6'4 point guard that can defend as well as, you know, be a spark plug and a scorer. But <sighs> this is going to be kind of a hot take, I guess. I, I think... Because we're losing so badly, we would hope that he would have made a jump quicker. However, where we drafted him, who he was when we did draft him as kind of a very raw point guard prospect, he's probably right about where he should be developmentally wise. Like, had a team drafted him that was, what was he, 25? Yep. Had that team at 25 drafted him, that's likely like a playoff contender, maybe a championship contender on any other given year. He is in the G League. He's getting these reps, and nobody's questioning anything. But because we're so bad, and because he addresses a need, yeah, like it's kind of spotlighted, spotlit, um, the fact that he's not necessarily where Malachi or Jeremy are currently. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good point because he definitely what the like as I've mentioned, I feel like at nauseum on this channel. Malachi was more of a lottery pe- lottery pick, you know, mm-hmm. was slipped. right. So kind of in that same range as Jeremy, you know, whenever it comes to just the caliber of player. But I think the flip side of it for me is mm-hmm. the things that I've seen with three picks that we had at 29 over the last couple years with sure. Keldon Johnson and specifically two point guards that are around his size and obviously, you know, different play style, but but still some similarities to both of those guys in Derek White and DeJounte Murray. Um mm-hmm. So that's why I think for me it's a little bit disappointing. Um, but it is good to see him make some strides. Hopefully he can continue to do that in the G League. Um, and and maybe, you know, as I've mentioned kind of on this channel a couple times over the past couple weeks that I'm really interested to see just throughout this losing streak where this what this team looks like maybe after the All-Star break, you know, with, with just, you know, a good 60 games or so playing together, mm-hmm. you know, with Wembenyama, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's a time that we would get to see him and and maybe get to see if he can, you know, take some strides forward. But um, even so far from what I've seen from him this year, uh, it, it and it's a long way away, but still, I, I almost I, I question if he's going to be a rotation guy uh, next season, you know, which is which is kind of a little bit, you know, in year three, a little bit surprising for a first round pick with the other what we've done with the other guys drafted four picks after him. 
you know, that I just referenced. I don't think it's a hot take necessarily. I think that's, you know, that's probably true. Um, however, he probably will be a rotational player post all-star break. Simply, I saw a headline that the Spurs will be making again. Don't know how reliable this was. The guy's had like title was like NBA insider. So who knows how reliable he is. Uh, but Doug McDermott, Chetty Osmond and Devonte Graham may all be available at the deadline. Um, for the Spurs. I think Devontae is probably more likely than Chetty or Doug, um, which may open up some minutes for him. But like Nick just said in the comments there, Devontae is really not getting that much playtime as it is anyway. Um, so if Blake decided to absorb those minutes and be like, what, five or six right. here and there, nothing really um, worthwhile. Yeah. And I don't think that, as we've mentioned before, I don't think he's going to overtake uh, no. Trey Jones or, or Jeremy Sohan this season. So um, there was another interesting article that I saw today, Ethan, that I am going to look up at the moment. I know we've got some comments in here as well. Uh, you can go ahead and start with this one. Our man Callow55 says at SSPN, San Antonio's first podcast, mm-hmm. after seeing 17 games, what is both of your new updated win predictions for the season? So I've talked about this in a lot of my solo lives, Ethan. I'm sure you've heard a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. You know, just now I'm definitely, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be anywhere near where I had predicted us to be before the season. Um, and a little bit of that was kind of just kind of to put that um, change in prediction into like, if there's one thing that I really missed and didn't think about before the season, we were just texting about this this week. It's that obviously there's so much positives and there's so many good things that drafting Victor Wembanyama brings to your team and your franchise. But at the same time in his rookie year at 19 years old, there's with zero NBA experience, despite all of the pro and international experience, you know, it's just a different style of play, different calling of fouls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that we're not going to be anywhere close to that prediction mm-hmm. um, and, and that it opens up a whole nother list of problems, you know, kind of with these guys bringing him in. While it does, obviously, like I just said, there's so I could go on and on forever about the good things that he brings, but there, there was going to be an adjustment period, an adjustment for him in the NBA, an adjustment to his players playing together, an adjustment also for those players playing together for the first time. There were just a lot of things that I underestimated and felt like he would cover up because of his crazy potential, essentially. So mm-hmm. I bought the hype train. I chewed on it a little bit too much <laughs> and and predicted a, a c- competing for the play-in in the 9-11 to 11 seed in this, you know, stacked Western Conference. So as of right now, you know, I think we're probably – I would still say – and. You know, we'll see how this goes. I still think we're going to get more than 22 wins. Like, I think we'll win more games than we did last season. Um, But I would say, like, anyway, just as of right now, I I would go with, like, 28, 33. And really, it could be be less than that. Um, But I'm just kind of betting on, like, some breaks for us to start to fall their way later in the season. Um for the Spurs. I, I think winning five more games, you know, as a floor isn't too unreasonable. No, I think a late a late season resurgence and run is very likely because teams will start to rest players and the Spurs will begin to kind of address those those uh difficulties chemistry wise. People will look at used to playing in their roles with each other. Um however, I think I, I went back and I watched our preseason predictions. Yeah. Um and I said 
optimistically 11, the seed, but realistically 13. Um, I think realistically 13 is, is still within the realm of possibility. Um, I know right now we're 15 in the West, uh, so it, it's really been rough a rough patch here to start the season. Um, but I'm going to stick with my my initial realistic prediction, which was thir- 13th seed, roughly 30 wins, I think is fair. Um, it could be less, depending on how we decide to play Wemby late in the year. Maybe we'll decide to rest him like other teams rest their stars. Who knows? I've been, frankly, very surprised that he's played every game until now. Um, if this, what is this game 17, game 16? Yeah. For this to be his first rest game is actually very impressive for me. Um, in terms of Wembenyama because of his, uh, slender build and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think this is just the reality of the situation and we all fell into the same hype train, uh, that is Wembenyama. And we, we kind of, I don't know, in our minds, the team, it was literally like 2K, where you could just insert a great player, and immediately they know how to play with one another. Right. It's not the case, and that's never been the case. The only teams yeah. that, that has been the case is like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, but those guys are like 23 as rookies playing on teams with other all-stars immediately. Yeah. That's not the same situation with the San Antonio Spurs. Even Tim Duncan joined David Robinson, Sean Elliott, perennial all-stars. Um, that is not the case for Victor Wimbenyama. And and some guys have taken a step back. Um, I saw a couple names in the comments. Malachi Branham, to me, has not been as explosive as I thought he would be coming off the bench. Um, maybe in a bit of a, sl- a sophomore slump. Hopefully he can address that. And Zach Collins, yeah, he's been very hot and cold. I mean, he, he is not without his faults. We're both fans of his. I still think he's better. He's more often better than he is bad. Um, but when he's missing that many threes and he is not being a physical presence down low, it it can be very difficult to watch him play um, because of his undersized nature. And then, you know, he's not going to bang down low when we have Victor Wimanyama in the game at the same time. Um, so that's a very long-winded way of saying the 13th seed around 30 wins. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan was, Ethan definitely uh, was the more conservative of the predictions in that video. If y'all go look back and you did get me though, when, cause you went second <laughs> and you, you were typing it up and I was like, you know what, you know what? It's possible. It's I, possible. I bought so into the media day stuff, but, but here's the other thing just to, to kind of finish this conversation, at least on, on my end is I guess my, not only just the Wimbenyama hype, but the optimism that I had was the flip side of them not playing together that much. And obviously I completely ignored like young players not playing together in the NBA. Like there's going to be a lot of different learning lessons and and things that they don't understand that are just going to take reps and, and years, you know, to really develop and know where to go to become, you know, instinctual on some things. Cause there's so many other teams where I noticed that on defense, you know, where we just get, we just get caught up, you know, because they just know how to do certain things and we think we're driving past somebody and it's a pickpocket, you know, and the, and the same can be said, you know, on the other side, whenever we're going up against stars, if we make a mistake versus a star so far this season, I mean, they're going to they're going to make us pay ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Um, but I was kind of thinking of the flip side of that, which was the much less likely side. And obviously, I've been reminded of that so far. Um but because they hadn't played together, it was like, okay, well, when they do, it could be it, it could be a lot better than last year, right? And the other thing is, is when you know, and I think, oh, well, you add Wembenyama into that, 
then it's just so much more talent than we had last year. But like I said, all of these other things that we've been talking about were are also a factor there. But when you have like the lottery picks and the potential, like we just talked about, it feels like Malachi's taken a step back. Probably in a different scenario, like if he's on a championship team, it may not feel that may way. Maybe it would, but I'm just saying he probably wouldn't have had the same opportunities that he did last season, where he got to show you know so much of his bag that he has that now when he's in this role and struggling more, you know it, it feels like a dip. I'm not saying it's not a dip because he has taken a step back. You know, there's still like there's still times where I see him getting to his spots and and not converting as much. You know, this year we need him to you'd expect him coming into this season. Like the one thing we wanted to see him improve on was his spot up shooting. Everything else we we really liked or excuse me, his catch and shoot shooting from three because we know that he can get to his spots and, you know, pull up from mid range and 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 drive to the basket, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, and we haven't seen that as much this year, but that's also because now with Wembenyama, his role has been more of being a catch and shoot guy than it was last year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. so, and, and that doesn't mean that he still, you know, we still don't want him to take those strides and be good in those role. Cause you know, you're, you're, there's still some memories in my mind when we're talking about this of him missing wide open threes. That would be, you know, crucial for us in that situation. And still, when you get a wide open three and it's a two guard, you want to convert, you know? Um, but with all that being said, with the potential of him and the potential of Jeremy Sohan and of course Devin Vassell only playing 38 games last year as well i just really felt like you know with our development staff and those guys around Wembenyama that it was just you know i i was like it's going to be like it's 2026 already <laughs> you know or 2025 you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. you, we're going to have to go through it you know we 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 talked about i think in the in the debrief episode that we did when we when the losing streak was 9 games um, we talked about how the Thunder, uh, in their last two seasons, you know, before the year prior where they just made the plan, and obviously we know what we're doing this year, they were 50 lost teams, mm-hmm. you know, on sub sub 26 win teams two years in a row. Um, and obviously, you know, they made some trades along the way. Um, but at the same time, that was really, I mean, I, I believe Shea Gilgis was on both of those teams. He was. I think so, he might have been hurt the first year. Or yeah. Yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt one of the years for sure. Um, But you got to build, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to build. And so and that's the other thing that, you know, and and we'll see because we're sitting here in November of Victor's first season. But I will admit thinking more future sided with him. There, you know, the the roster, I I think there's a lot of guys we're going to keep, but there there will be guys who end up leaving for Mm -hmm. probably some of the guys that we draft in the next couple of years, especially if the season keeps going this way and we end up getting another like top five range pick, um, which obviously that would be great for the team. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, but at the same time, there might be some, some guys that we've kind of, there might be some Derricks and DeJantes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's no longer safe. It's no longer like for sure that we're keeping everybody. Yeah. As soon as the franchise player enters the room, <laughs> everything changes. Yep. Yep. But here's the article that I was referencing a little bit earlier, Ethan, uh, before we kind of got into that question there from Calo five. So we appreciate you is this article here today from sports illustrated. I think it's inside the Spurs fan nation, but regardless, uh, this was some substance, substantive, I still didn't say it right, but y'all know the word I'm talking about. 
stuff here that is a headline grabber. And usually when you see these headline grabbers, you know, if you just go read them, there's not really much substance, kind of like I was just referencing earlier. Um, but I did think there was here because there's a quote from Pop. I did not watch. <laughs> I haven't watched his recent press conferences. I've been noticing they're all like a minute 30. And from what I've been getting on Twitter, it seems like he's just been kind of like not really saying much. Um, so when I saw this and I saw that he made this recent comment, um, this was interesting. Uh, I want Wembenyama to play both center and forward. I don't want him to just be a perimeter player, just a post player. He can affect the game in both areas. He's got to get minutes in both. And we've been seeing that. And I'm not saying that this is an indication of a lineup change, but this is something that Pop is talking about in the sense that, you know, it could be a little bit different and maybe something that he's noticed in these first 17 games moving forward that he does want to do with Wemby moving forward. And, you know, we've talked about how, you know, ad nauseum, again, there's so many things it feels like we've already talked about ad nauseum 17 games into the year, but one of them is that they're not really, you know, going hard on scheme right now whatsoever. They don't even really have, you know, a, a base game plan. They're just kind of letting him play. So this seems like the first thing that I've seen from him where he's made kind of a definitive statement about something that he wants him to do since the season has started. Wow. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And it's it's weird that we kind of assume this already, but it's it's nice to actually hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, for sure. So I'm interested to see, you know, we, we've seen the Trey, Devin, um, basically put take Zach out, put Trey in, move Jeremy back to power forward and move Wemby to center uh, lineup a couple times. I don't think that that's going to be the starting lineup. I was listening to uh, our boy Rob Trejo from from Spurs Film Room back in the day. Uh, y'all go check that out um, on his YouTube channel. It's just his name, Rob Trejo Jr. He did a little 24-minute podcast just kind of about the losing streak and, you know, Wembenyama and his development and, and where we want to play him moving forward. And one of the things that he mentioned in there was like, the Spurs really like to stick with what they decide to do preseason. So, and, and he, he listed a couple of examples from previous years, you know, and, and it was more in the big three. And a lot of times in those years, you'd maybe see some slow starts and then the Spurs would really turn it up and go on a big winning streak, you know, and that was kind of, the point he was making there was it took a little bit for their points of emphasis or the adjustment for that season with that specific team mm. um, to get going. But they stuck with it the whole time. And that's what I think is going to happen with the Jeremy Sohan situation, regardless of what the Spurs masses feel. Mm -hmm. But what this also indicates is we will be seeing, I think, a little bit less of that, not as in taking him out of the starting lineup, but we will see more lineups with Wembenyama at center, which I think allows for Jeremy Sohan to end up playing power forward more. Yes. And I think that's actually been just I watch. I don't know the stats here. That's probably been our best lineup visually with I him agree. at center, Jeremy at four and Trey at starting at the point guard. Um, I understand where everyone's coming from that doesn't like Jeremy Sohan at point guard. I know all the advanced stats point at him being not the correct decision there and I understand the whole angle of this is Wemby's first season he should really have a natural point guard to make things easier on him um all that being said for those of you feeling this way how I've dealt with it is something that I continue to tell myself from game to game we're literally going to lose no matter what first of all second of all it will 
force by fire Jeremy to learn how to be a better ball handler. It will also force by fire Victor Wimbanyama to be assertive, demand the ball, and get used to having to to demand the ball from guys that aren't natural point guards. Um, and another way to look at it is they're literally for his entire rookie season, Jude, they're going to make him swing with a weight on the bat. Think about what happens when we eventually take that weight off the bat. No, exactly. It should be like chariots of fire. Just all of a sudden, boom, we're taken off. So think about that in the long term, in the future. I understand your pain, but I think it might be a necessary evil. And like you said, I don't think it's going to change no matter what we say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things that Rob was kind of talking about there, it just kind of his perspective on what this season is and kind of how the Spurs are going to use it. And, you know, really, he's been he's been doing this longer than we have. Um, and, and what he was saying is that his idea and his kind of take and, and read on this season is that basically we're going to use it as just like <laughs> Like, it's just going to be a film study for us in the offseason to figure out what we're going to do with Wembenyama. Like, we're just going to get as much sample size as we can, Mm -hmm. and then we can figure out how we want to build around him, how exactly, you know, we want to make this scheme that may be a scheme that's super unique and never seen before because there hasn't been a player like him. Um, I think you kind of get what I'm saying there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But one of the other things I thought that this article did a good job of pointing out, I'll just kind of read some of this here at the end. It's not too much longer. Um, one of the biggest reasons in here, let me give this guy credit. Shout out to Matt Guzman, who wrote this uh, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. One of the biggest reasons for the Jeremy Sohan experiment was to allow Wembenyama to play at Sohan's position without displacing the second year uh, sophomore out of the starting lineup. That's been iffy at best so far which is why Popovich might be eager to try something new. Moving Wembenyama to the five would open things up at the point guard position. Trey Jones, who's come off the bench all season, would get his shot to be the Spurs starting point guard, while Sohan could comfortably revert to his power forward tendencies. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but what I was trying to say, I I liked this beginning here. One of the biggest reasons for the Jeremy Sohan experiment was to allow Wembenyama to play at his position, but not, not start Jeremy. And I think that's more of a testament to what we think about Jeremy moving forward than it is, you know, about him becoming an elite point guard. Does that make sense? For sure. I, I really don't think that was ever the case. I don't think yeah. anyone ever said this was his long-term position. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is the other thing that I read while he mentions that that could be the lineup that they could switch. Maybe he also mentions when has the height to make him an easy option at center, but mm-hmm. between he and Sohan, there'd have to be more communication to effectively fill the role of a typical center that neither of them do, which I appreciated. I was like, okay, like he's acknowledging that while yes, if you move to that lineup, there's going to be some things that could be better offensively there is still going to be this, you know, deficiency here and think about it as much as, as much as in three years, Victor will be able to hold his own in the post, probably to a level that we haven't seen, you know, and I don't want to, I feel like I should knock on wood just talking about how good he's going to be in the future, but you can see it even in the last game. We haven't talked about that. Uh, he, the six steals dude, like it, mm-hmm. when he starts to catch on, he's going to start doing crazy stuff. And I know that the nuggets, you know, had some injuries in that game, but still doing that on Jokic is, is, 
impressive to yeah. say the least in your 17th game in the league. Um, and, and as he continues, Wembenyama would need to get more rebounds, play down low and facilitate passes from the three point line in the post. Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is because the point I was getting to before that little off tangent thing there was like, think about the struggles like Zach is having right now. Like think about what that would look like with Wembenyama at center. Like as much as there'd be sometimes where he'd be able to grab some rebounds, et cetera, et cetera. Like going back to this with, with him and Sohan in the front court, like I said, in, in, in 2025, that's like pristine. I love it. But this season, <laughs> there would definitely be some uh, some some issues, growing pains, whatever you would want to call them, with if those two were immediately in the front court and we play uh, the Timberwolves, for example. Oh God, I can't even imagine. And and think about what they already did to us with Zach and and uh, Victor in there earlier. Yeah. Oh, poor Zach. I feel so bad for Zach. Yeah, and and you know, with his contract, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they do view him as a you know in in the next two years with his extension. I know that Pop said he's the five of the future, but after this year and with Victor Wembanyama now on your roster, he did say that before they drafted Victor. That's the other thing. Um, I I wonder if they view him as a backup five, you know, moving forward. I think they have to. Unfortunately, yeah. I think his flaws are I agree. too big, and I don't think he can address them. Unfortunately, like what he is is pretty much what he's going to be, and he's still very solid. Like what we yeah. saw against the Kings was a was Zach Collins at his absolute best, right? Like just consistency. Yeah, and you know, as much as there have been a lot of struggles from Zach, and and it's been, you know, it, it's been tough to watch, like you said at times with with him out there. Um, I I was I went back and I watched almost like every assist from this season from that website that I was telling you about and he you know it, it was kind of funny let me pull up my notes I didn't even I haven't even gone to these yet um, one of the things I wrote down is we still do run a good bit with Zach out of the post like mm-hmm. probably like thirty to twenty five percent of our assists this season have still been from Zach usually in the post sometimes in other places um, so. You know, there, there are some good things that we've seen from him, but it doesn't cover up or make up uh, for the deficiencies that we've seen from him this year. But another thing that I kind of wanted to get into just on the offense when I was talking about that, man, it seems like we're it's got to be a pick and roll, a catch and shoot three. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we really don't even cut to the basket that much when I look at that. But some of them, like when I talk about the Zach assists, there are some cuts to the basket there. But -hmm. when I was looking at our offense, man, like it's like we're either like it's Devin trailing, you know, on on a little bit of an offensive set that we run. It's a pick and roll or it's a catch and shoot three. And that's not as we know, we haven't been efficient this season, but it's been very like. Like it's like we score those three ways or we don't score at all. <laughs> like those yeah. are the it, it was just alarming to me when I went and looked at like a good like the last like three or four games, I just watched every shot we've taken. And and that's something that's also been a theme even earlier in the year, but it just it it really stands out. I mean, when you think about it, those are very basic kind of if you're freestyling. That's mm-hmm. that would probably be the shots that you would get. And then when you're going up against an actual NBA defensive scheme, you know, we've kind of 
we've kind of seen how that's gone over the course of, of 48 minutes. Obviously, the Spurs have their bright spots in a lot of these games, but when the adjustments come in, um, it just gets stalled. And then we get lucky to get one of those plays that I just mentioned um, every once in a while. And the other thing is, is we don't, uh, another strength of ours is our transition. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't get stops <laughs> often enough for that to be a strength. I was literally about to say the only reason young teams are explosive is because they have high energy, they get stops, they get steals, and they run out in transition. And they just have more energy than old teams. So they're able to score a lot. We're not stopping anybody right now. And then offensively, there's just no, like you said it earlier, instinctually, we have no instincts. No. Uh, there's no cohesion. There's no, We're not on one piece of string. I don't, I don't know if the, the better Yes, we're not connected. We're not connected at all. It's complete disconnect. It's sluggish, but it's also regimented, so teams are easily dissecting it. They're just like, I know you're about to cut back door, Doug McDermott, because you cut back door. And you don't run anything. Of the time. And you don't run anything. That's the Literally. other thing. This ties into like it's as much as it's frustrating, it is kind of like those three plays being the main ones just mm-hmm. emphasize to me again like how much like we're not running anything super complex there are like some semblances of some motion sets that we run um at the beginning of games but it's like once they start to make those adjustments like the first time out Mm -hmm. you know maybe we'll get through a whole quarter with the lead like we did against the warriors but when they make those adjustments all of those just go to complete like trash can (laughs) God bless them, but it's just like they get stopped, you know, that they, they make the adjustments and they derail, you know, the little glimmers of some sort of offensive cohesion that we maybe saw for six minutes. Yeah, it's 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 getting tough to watch. dude. It's getting really difficult. To Same watch. here. These last couple oh. games have been really tough for me. And, and that's why I'm, you know, referencing bucket list fans so much the the you know watching every single field goal and stuff because mm-hmm. it's been it's been hard for me just you know being diehard fans that we are watching it and you know knowing knowing the result before you knowing the knowing the movie before you've even seen it like yeah. that's that's how i would describe it yeah, the script has been leaked yeah script, it's literally like an old <laughs> 70s like cop show where the, it's always the same thing. Uh-huh. It's literally how it feels. First quarter, we're going to get off to a good start. Timeout, we're, we're going to come out sluggish. They're going to make adjustments, like you said, and it's going to be a dogfight for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, and then they're going to run away with it. And at the end, in garbage time, we might make it a little bit closer, but we'll ultimately, give you a little bit of hope. <laughs> we lose by 10 to 20. <laughs> you, you got it, Ethan. You got it. They're, on one of the solo post games I did, it, I don't remember which game it was, but you said we're going to get this to single digits and lose, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh. oh, and then, gonna, the end, and then Twitter's going to say Trey Jones needs to start. Jeremy's trash, <laughs> and <laughs> Victor will have at least two or three like crazy highlights that the NBA Twitter will put post over. They'll and over just and pump. Over again. <laughs> yeah, and the, the rest of the NBA fan base is like, "Screw this guy. Chet's better. Spurs suck. <laughs> Fire pop." It's always exactly, exactly. That was that was such a good representation of of uh, NBA Twitter there, Ethan. But thank you. I saw this comment from Courtney a while ago. I know I'm late here, but we're gonna come back and, and look at some of these as we wrap up. 
He says, looks like we'll be playing DeJounte Murray tomorrow. I really want Wemby to embarrass Murray since he spoke (laughs) poorly about the Spurs. Sounds like Wemby is questionable for tomorrow because of an injury. Yes, that is what we referenced earlier. You know, nothing serious. But and like you said, really, it's it's a good thing. When, when I thought about this season, I thought we would already be managing rest games, but I think he's really trying to play as many games as he can. The fact that he's questionable and Jeremy's listed at probable kind of makes me feel like they're going to sit him, um, which is tough because this would be – it would just be a fun game for to have Wemby versus DeJounte just, you know, with, with the history. And I'm not even necessarily referencing like we need to beat the crap out of DeJounte because of what he said. And I totally get what you're saying, Courtney Runnels, but – also, at the same time, it's just like that would have been a fun matchup, just like I said, because he's a former Spur. Yeah, I, I think honestly, because he might not play, if he doesn't play, the game might be closer. As weird as that sounds, because suddenly we have our starting lineup from last year. That would be interesting. Yeah. So as not exciting as it will be because Wimby's not playing, the cohesion on paper should be better. Yeah. We've seen that in spurts a little bit this season. You know, we have to see it over 48 minutes. That still uh, has not happened. But Right. But I do, I understand where you're coming from. I think there could be a chance where, you know, everybody just kind of knows their spots a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm sure that they'll come out strong like they normally do, as we just referenced. And maybe they'd be able to, you know, jump on them a little bit. But also, aren't the are the Hawks having a pretty good year? I think they are. I think they're playing pretty okay. Let me go um, look at their record. I will ask you this question, Jude. Go ahead. Who gets 20 rebounds first, Onyeka Okungwu or Clint Capella? <sighs> Clint Capella. <laughs> they're 8 and 9. They're 8 and 9. Right so in the not middle. Yeah, not in comparison to us, they're having a fantastic season. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see uh, where they're. I can't get the standings up. I've only got. I've only got them. Unfortunately, I was trying to see where they're in at the, where they're at in the East. Um, I know Dejounte has had some good games this year. I believe he might have had a forty point game. They're something 10. like that. They're ten. Okay. Um, you know, I, it'll be fun to watch the young guys like Devin and Keldon and all those guys who played with Dejounte go up against him, even if even if Victor's not there. And I guess now hearing their record, it gives me a little bit more hope, but I'm still kind of have the same vibe that I have for every game at this point, you know, until we play the Pistons or something who have a worse mm-hmm. record than us. Like, <laughs> Thank you, Pistons. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm a, Since we just brought up the Pistons, just real quick, it's not going to happen, but I do like the whole Cade Cunningham, the San Antonio rumors that keep oh. popping up on my Twitter. That would be nice. That it's would be not very nice. Happen, but yeah. It would it would be fantastic. It'd make my day. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Now the other thing I was gonna do, I was gonna confirm your uh your suspicion that Don Barlow is leading the G League Ooh. in in points. Pretty sure. I know he was earlier. Um but we shall see. I don't know if he's at he he may not be at 30 anymore. Because he was, he's had a couple had a couple twenty point games. But okay, but he is still leading the G League in points per game at twenty eight. Let's go, baby! I knew it! I knew it! Shout out my boy Dom. He's got seven points and about a block and a steal as well, or seven rebounds. Excuse me. I was me. about to say what? <laughs> Not seven points. Why did I say that? Sorry. Mm. 
Let oh me my do- gosh. Sorry. No, go ahead. Victor Wimbanyama in the in the in the comments says he wants to play with Jade Nivey, not Cade Cunningham. Wow. Victor, this is why you're the player and not the GM, my friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I to be honest with you, I haven't really watched, I haven't really dug into enough Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham tape to compare them. Uh, but what I would say is that Cade Cunningham is a number one overall pick. Um, and kind of the leader of the Pistons, it seems like, and the center of their rebuild. So I think mm-hmm. I think I would take Cade over over Jaden Ivey as well. But Jaden Ivey is a good player, for he sure. Is. And he does bring, and, and I think probably what Victor's getting at a little bit more there is just the defensive defensive side of things. I love that we're calling yeah, Victor. I know, we got to, we got to. <laughs> we're talking to him. This is actually him. No, <laughs> but that's what we don't know. Um, you know, imagine... Yeah, he's in the comments. <laughs> he's like, I want Jaden Ivey over Cade. And then we're disagreeing. No, like, no you're wrong, but, Victor. <laughs> but no, okay. In all seriousness, I think probably the reason that he's thinking that, though. Defense. This, yes, right. Because when you look at the, the point guard defi- position defensively, Jeremy's had some good starts to games, but still him and Trey have just been caught under screens mm-hmm. repeatedly throughout the season, which has given star players and ball handlers specifically who already are probably good off the dribble shooters space in the mid range and from three, whenever they get a screen. So I get, I get why you're going for the de- the defense there at point guard. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something that we need. I was going to say real quick, Jude, I know we're trying to wrap this thing up, but, um, are you happy that the Spurs did not end up signing Austin Reeves to that big contract? Yeah, that's pretty... It's interesting that we offered it. Um, I don't know if you heard that, but we, we did end up offering it. Um, but he didn't, you know, I don't think it was the biggest offer. Um, but yeah, I'm still... I mean, I, I'm... Yeah, I don't think that Austin Reeves... Austin Reeves, what he's doing right now, shout out to him. I think he's leading the league in rebounds and assists off the bench. Um, yeah. But I don't think he'd be doing that here. <laughs> Something tells me he wouldn't. I think he's struggling to score a little bit. Yeah, but he's. He, it's not the same. It's not the same as the playoffs. He's definitely taken a little bit of a, mm-hmm. you know. But since they moved him to the bench, to you're right. He's he's played a lot better. Yeah, and and but notice the thing that I mentioned there were rebounds and assists, not mm-hmm. points. So not points. True. Let's see what Nezzy has to say here. I was really surprised how good our transition offense last season was, despite our record. Not so much this year so far. Yeah. 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 Um, Victor says, this is what he he clarifies. He says, technically, I want Tyrese Halliburton. Who doesn't? Uh, but in all seriousness, I definitely take Alex Caruso <laughs> over Jaden and Cade. So interesting there. I would, I think right now as a franchise, I would, I mean, well, if, if I just got a free, if we're, if we're trading for Jaden and Cade, we're giving up way more than we are for Alex Caruso. So that's why I would say that I would, I would take Alex Caruso right now over, over both of those guys. Um, I mean, I guess if I got an opportunity to get Cade Cunningham, I would want it, but I feel like the Spurs would probably have to give up like at least like Devin Vassell and and probably like Sohan or Kelvin and I don't I don't really want to I know it may sound crazy to say right now that I don't want Devin Vassell for Cade Cunningham but I'd just rather do what we're doing right now in our path and not 
The fact I'm even having this conversation, we're not trading for Cade Cunningham, but, but Alex Caruso, I I think would be a good fit for, would be a better fit for this Spurs team and their trajectory than those two. That was the point I was trying to get to. Very well said, Jude. Hey, we might get another, another number one pick before long anyway. So, Hey, I don't, I know I said I wasn't going to look at the draft, man. I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but I've been, I've been peeking a little bit. I've been peeking a little bit. Pause. Um, <laughs> for real. Um, but I don't know how much, have you looked into it at all, Ethan? Do you have any draft knowledge? The only thing I know is that if we get a high pick, Isaiah Collier is the general consensus. <laughs> Right, right. And that actually, that's very true. And he's a player who's rising up draft board. So it'll be interesting to see where we finish. Um, Cause there might be somebody that would, that would take him above us if we get in like that four or five range. Cause we'll see, there's a lot of college basketball left to play, but in some of the early, like no ceilings draft stock stuff that they've done, they've had him kind of up there. Um, and then the other thing that I want to talk about is, is the guys that these guys are, are talking about in the comments. So there, Nick says, do y'all hear about the 7-1 French guy? There are two things, okay? First of all, he's probably going to be the number one player. Are you getting these balloons right now? Yes. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> if y'all got the balloons on the stream, I don't... Restream does that, dude. It's so weird. Like, I've been doing thumbs up, and I've been getting that, too. Anyways, I didn't get that right there, but usually a little icon shows up. This is getting away from the Alexandre star talk, Ethan. That's what we're really talking about right now, okay? And he's from France. What are you laughing at? <laughs> the balloons. <laughs> Just how they came out of nowhere. <laughs> what the heck uh, is that? Sorry, uh, everybody. No, everybody's. I guess it. Hey, Nezu says happy birthday. LOL. Shout out to Courtney. It's Courtney's birthday. Yeah, maybe they just. Maybe it's delayed. <laughs> Dude, what the heck? I'm like looking around now, like trying to figure out how that Dude, happened. I've seen. There's been a thumbs up logo. I know you're not doing it. It's not showing up for us right now, of course, but it like. I've seen stuff like that happening lately in here, but. <laughs> Shout out to Restream. Anyways, Alexandre Saar, dude. So he's French. He's seven foot one. He uh-huh. plays. He plays in the NBL. He's a part of their Next Stars program um, in Australia, and I think he plays for the Perth Wildcats. Um, and there's a couple other dudes this year. There's a guy who I can't remember his name. I, I know Bobby Clintman is another one who's out there. Um, I like that name. And then there is a point guard who I know was going to be, he, he could have gone to most power fives in college basketball. You know, like if you wanted to go to Kansas or UNC, all those powerhouses, he's playing in there. Point is that that next stars program. And like we saw LaMelo ball play there. I know what you're smiling about. <laughs> you better not be smiling about a certain Australian in the league. Okay. Cause he wasn't, about. he wasn't a part of the NBL next stars program. He was just from there. All right. I don't know who you're talking about. I might be. I don't know who you're talking about. I've, but Alexandre star. Okay. Or star number one player in, as of right now, you know, in that range. All right. From France, right. You got the roots, but here's the most important thing, Ethan. And I'm so mad that it's taken me so long to get to this. Do you know where he played before he played in the NBL? Texas state. No, that's Where? a good guess. That's a good guess. Because uh, that would be something we'd be excited about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they're, they're tr- it's another league. The Globetrotters. 
I don't know. Come I, on. You know. Do I? You're, you do. You know. Oh, you know. <laughs> G League? I don't know. No. What? Overtime Elite. Oh. Was I crazy? I I thought it was going to be something weird. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, funny. So I was like, uh, I don't know. Well, that's what I thought, you know, because that's, we've had so much fun with talking about Barlow and and the Thompson twins. Okay, but in all seriousness, he played, he played in the, with and against the Thompson twins Mm. in both of those years. Um, And it was basically just his alternative of, I think he graduated high school early or was homeschooled. But he, you know, had a lot of potential in France. They wanted him to come, you know, to the U.S. to kind of stop. <laughs> they wanted him to come to the U.S., okay, because they wanted him to learn American basketball. What yeah. I mean, think about Victor, right, and yeah. what we've seen this year. And then now he's playing, you know, in Australia. And we've seen other guys, you know, turn into all-star level players coming from that program. Um so he's somebody that I'm really intrigued with. And there's been a lot of talk from Spurs fans around him as well. And he would kind of be like a twin towers next to Wembenyama. But he's also a guy, Ethan, really, that that could play like the three. Like if you really? go watch him, yeah, yeah. He's and he's he's very, you know, he's only like two, even though he's seven foot one, he's only like two oh five, you know, can shoot, you know, kind of similar to to Wemby, kind of in that, in their kind of their style of play. You know, obviously they're different. They're very different. Like, I wouldn't say that his potential is, you know, near Victor's. Um, But he kind of has, you know, kind of that new age, you know, kind of like, I would say he's like a, it's tough to say. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to describe. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll let his season play out since it's still November. And we can, we can have a better maybe comparison there at the end of the year after I really dive deep on his tape. Um, But otherwise, the point is lots of potential there. And seems like your prototypical new player in the modern NBA. Somebody who's very switchable, very versatile, um, and has height, but also, you know, can kind of kind of like we're seeing with Chet and some of these other dudes, um, you know, move around the floor. Perhaps a Santi Aldama con? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He's more mobile than Santi. Really? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Tough to be more mobile than Sonny. No, he's going to be in the conversation though for like a top three pick. So mm. I, I'm talking about him. That would be like you know like really good, really good scenario for the Spurs there, um, if they took him. But I don't know. We'll see. But I wouldn't. I, I feel like as of right now, Isaiah Collier is actually probably not just the consensus in Spurs land, but I'll, I'll give them some credit here. It's also probably the most realistic. As of right now, I know our record's really bad, but as you kind of mentioned, we'll probably win some more games at the end of the year when teams start resting guys, et cetera, et cetera, like we saw last season. And I think as much as we've been wrong about a lot of stuff, I think at that point of the season with Victor, that will help us like that will help us get more W's than than we did last season. So I I think we'll be a little bit more in kind of that three to I mean, you never know with the lottery, but I think we'll more be more in that like three to five range than mm. than you know going for number one. And it's hard to do that two years in a row too, just with the lottery. You know, yeah. I, I'm not going to bet on that. So unless you're the Cavs, unless <laughs> you're the Cavs, that's for sure. You know who I want in the second round though, Jude? Who? Give me Caden Gums. <laughs> See, but he's not draft eligible yet. Is he not? 
No, because he he's a freshman. Oh, some <laughs> freshmen come out, right? I know. Not a Texas State for for yeah, exactly. Not a Texas. What about State. what about old boy at a uh, Malik Presley? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Malik look, Presley, are, second these, round. These are years. Look, in in like 2024, 2025, the Spurs will pick both of them up, and then we'll have them on, and they'll be great. For those of you guys who don't know who we're talking about, uh, I, co- I covered some D1 players that that I have pretty good relationships with. Um, you know, I say I covered them, but I like to think that that we're, fr- that we're friends as well. Um, and one plays at Texas State, and one plays at Vanderbilt, and. My dream is that one day they become San Antonio Spurs and make it to the league. So shout out to Malik learning from Jerry Stackhouse and mm. shout out to Caden starting as a true freshman leading the team in points. Maybe we can get a two on two game. Oh we, what God. what we each get one no, of No, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. We, that would that would work. That would work. I'm smaller, so I'll take Malik. I'm one and oh against D one football players, though. Actually, me me and a friend of mine are one and oh. And two on two against two wow. former collegiate football players. Yes, you and who I think it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I, can we not say his name? We always say. Well, that. No, we can say. Yeah, my friend Deshaun. Yeah, Shout Deshaun. Out to him. <laughs> we yeah. always do that. We always like dance around who he is. You never know who who wants you know their name out and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was gonna say who wants to smoke. I was like, they're gonna <laughs> look, look up Deshaun. Like one on one. Okay, this is another thing, actually, that I think this is a good comment here from Victor. Um, and I think this is something to watch. Like, I talked about potentially, um, you know, down the line, us losing some guys, having to make some moves. And like you said, when the franchise player walks in the door, you know, everything is, is back on the table. And he says, what about trading for Bilal, as in Bilal Koulibaly, um, mm. Victor Wembanyama's teammate, who's been doing pretty well uh, for the Washington Wizards over there. And it just seems like... He just oozes potential. And on top of that, he was 18 in the draft last year. I think he still is 18. And if he's not, he you know has just turned 19. So one of the younger players in the draft, too, he says, what about trading for Bilal and experimenting him at point guard if the Spurs want a bigger point guard? I already love his defense and playmaking. Yeah. I don't know if we necessarily need to play him at point guard. And I feel like that this, this potentially happening would be something far down the line because – I'm sure the Wizards love his potential right now. And when you think about where the Wizards are at, they kind of got to hold on to all the talent they can, especially somebody who's 18. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we've still, I know Kuzma's been having a good season, but I'm sure you guys have all seen all the Jordan Poole stuff. And I don't know their record off the top of my head, but I don't think it's 14. Yeah. I didn't think it was at the top of the Eastern conference. Um, So I don't think that that trade will be happening anytime soon. But I really do think there's a chance that they could reunite down the line, because in and, Washington, and I'm just I have yeah, <laughs> and just I, I have nothing. You know, I obviously have nothing to tell me that. That's just going off the fact of you know how Victor talked about him prior, mm-hmm. and also the fact that he also played for Metropolitans '92 and and our boy Boris Diaw, mm. and just growing up in France as well. If Victor had that you know, affinity for the Spurs. I'm sure he does too. Now it seems like he's a pretty stand up kid. So I, he may be, you know, someone, he, he might be Bradley Beal 2.0, Ethan. Um, but I think, I really think that he is a name to watch. Like, you know, obviously this, we're talking like years in advance. Um, but I think that could be somebody that maybe if, if he turns out to be, you know, uh, an all-star level player, maybe that's somebody that we could lure to San Antonio down the line. Right now, he's the second best perimeter defender coming out of the draft, I would say. 
Yeah. Second only to Asar Thompson, who's just crazy right now. For real. For real. What's up? Do, do you give me permission to quickly, kindly, politely flex? Yes. Not, not in the physically flex, but I'm going to put up a comment here. Go flex ahead. my basketball knowledge. Okay. You're correct. They did get back-to-back number one picks. However, the number one pick was technically Chris Weber, whose draft rights were traded. For Penny Hardaway, who I believe was the second pick. So, sorry, that was just... No, no, there you go. Had to be be said. Nick Matson says, Mm -hmm. if we tried to upgrade the center position, who would y'all trade Collins for? I don't know. I I don't know if anyone's available necessarily that we could just trade like one for one, Zach. Charles Bassey. Ooh. You know who might be available that I would actually like, Jude, but he's not going to come here because we're Go not ahead. a contender. Just for the sake of Nick's question. Right. Andre Drummond might be available from Chicago, and I would like him on the Spurs. I would I, I would like that too. Um, I know that's not anything crazy, but I think that's like the type of guy next to Victor um, yeah. and also even just off the bench that would that would help us a lot. Mm-hmm. We need, a, we need a, a big body. I know we got Keldon, but... You know, he's a big body at the two and the three. We need a big body five. Yes. Chuck Bass is, you know, he's there, but he's, we're talking about a a starter. Yeah. Agreed. Shout out Chuck Bass. Donovan Klingon. So I think this is another draft name. I I do not know where he goes. Let me look this up, but it seems like he is a center that um, people would be very happy with and he is seven foot two he plays for yukon which means he's a defending national champion and he's 280 as well he says he's like Jakob on steroids um anybody from yukon that's starting and that draft people are like you're a first rounder i i would not be opposed to now granted and, and the other key thing here too ethan this could be maybe somebody we use with that other pick that we're probably going to get for the Raptors. Cause that's another thing mm. that I, we, we talked about this in the last episode, but I forgot as we're doing this stream, that's a, that's also a possibility. Cause I was about to say he might not be in the range. Although <laughs> to be honest, maybe he is <laughs> like I said, I've, I've looked I no into idea. it a little bit, but it's maybe mainly just been like the top five guys. Um, but that could be somebody that we could also get later in the draft as well. And that's another thing. I, that's here's kind of maybe the last thing that we can end on, Ethan. Is we're we're almost at an hour here. Do you think that the Spurs? And this may be a stupid question, but do you think that in the draft this year, say things continue to go the way that they go, you know, say we win like 25, 28 games, right, mm-hmm. and kind of similar issues throughout the season, do we fray from best player available? Like, obviously, the Spurs are always going to say that they're taking the best player available. Even if we draft Isaiah Collier at four and this Klingon guy, and, and this is just for sake of conversation, maybe they won't be available in these ranges. But mm-hmm. like I said, for right now here in November at, at 16, right, let's say, you know, because those would fill some needs. You, you got your point guard and then you got a big body center. Like, will we emphasize that more this year? Like, will we emphasize mm. player needs in the draft? we're like i said we're always gonna say oh these were the two best guys we thought were available but this season after adding victor i feel like it could be more of a possibility they're not going to be public about it but but what do you think that's my opinion hmm man i think it all it will be situational depends on who's available 
um, man, where we're picking, like where yeah. we're picking, who's available at the time that we're picking, and what position do they play? Um, I think they might still operate at best player available, Jude, only because the only guy that's truly set is Victor Wembanyama. You can make an argument, Devin Vassell, also cornerstone at right. that shooting guard position. Everywhere else, I think you got to go best player available for where you're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing I'm thinking about while you're talking as well is we have so much cap. Yeah. No cap. And I know we got to save some for some of these guys, but I'm about to do something that's forbidden among, among most Spurs fans, Ethan. I'm, I'm going to give some credit to the Rockets. Mm, Cause they went out and they spent some money and got some glue guys. And, and I know we beat them earlier in the year and, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, they're the Rockets. We're we're one of our. The, you, I mean, imagine being the Rockets. You're you're having a good year, and the Spurs, who are on a twelve game losing streak, still won. Man, like I would, that would be so tough. I mean, they're they're fine. Mm-hmm. Bigger point here, other than than that funny little note with them being one of their our three wins. That's kind of the point I was trying to make. There is we we still got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Van, the addition of Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to their young core ha, has helped a lot. I know we talk about Dylan Brooks a lot, et cetera, but both of those guys have playoff experience. Um, and and I believe, did, did the Grizzlies ever make the Western Conference Finals or am I just crazy? I don't think they ever did. Yeah. Okay. Did they ever even get past the first round? Yes, because they beat us. Okay. They upset us when we were the number one seed. No, I'm talking about with Jaw. Oh, with Jaw. And like uh, Dylan Brooks. No. Well, how far so. did they go in that run? They did lost. Just... I don't know. I don't think they ever get, did get past the first round, Jude. Nope, they might have gotten to the second round once. I think they did. Yeah. I was just trying to make the point that like, obviously Van Vliet has won a championship. So mm-hmm. there you go there. But I was just trying to make the point that they have, you know, significant playoff experience, you know, as well. Um, but you've seen the turnaround they've made with their young core. So... You know, we could just go like best player available and then maybe maybe try to get someone in the offseason. Um, and I think it's also interesting not to go all over the place here, but I think it's interesting with with what you mentioned. If that ends up being true and we end up moving like Shetty, Doug and and Devante. Um, and like you said, well, who knows how true it'll be. But if we end up moving two or three of those guys or a couple of those guys, you know, over time, I think also Doug's contract is just up after the season as well as Shetty's. Um, that's going to open up some other spots for some some vets to replace them. Yes, most definitely. And I think some of our young guys may also become available sooner rather than later. Not this year, but just as we look at Cap, yeah. like you were saying, and as we move forward in the next couple of years, the timetable shortens. Yeah, yeah. It will be very interesting to see what happens with all of these guys moving forward. Um and and it really when you're when you're mentioning that Ethan and I know like there could be some other moves that we make but I think about our rookie class from last year in, in Jeremy Malachi and Blake that just makes me wonder more about Blake man mm. like not in the sense that we might move him but just like what he does could could have more of an impact like how he develops I mean mm-hmm. could have more of an impact on some roster moves that we make than people are thinking about you know. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like if he's able to kind of harness, you know, the potential that we saw in him, 
you know what I mean? At some point over the next 12 months, let's say, you know, he could be in the rotation next year. I know I said I'm not confident in that earlier this season, but like I said, if that that were to happen, mm-hmm. but if it doesn't at all and he's just kind of in the same spot that he was, it feels like for the past two years, is yeah. that somebody that we already think about moving, you know, for, for a couple picks, even if they're just second rounders or something? You never know. Will be interesting time in Spurs land, Ethan. We appreciate you guys for hanging out with us today. I know there's some other comments down there, um, but we're going to wrap this one up because we're at about an hour and five. This is one of the longest lives we've done in a while. We appreciate you guys being in here, all the comments, hanging out with us. It was good to get back to this. And don't forget to hit that like and that subscribe button below, even though they're not giving us icons or balloons when we do this. I don't <laughs> I loved that. that That's so still crazy. Like I didn't, I didn't click anything. It just happened. Uh, but don't forget <laughs> to hit that like and that subscribe button. And if you want to stay updated with everything, you can turn on the notification bell, go to our community tab on our channel for all the posts. And you can also stay updated on Twitter for all of our commentary, some quarter by quarter breakdowns, some games and, and some other stuff that we like to do on there at SSPN on YT at Jude McLaren and at Ethan underscore Quintero. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for hanging out with us and hanging through this Spurs season. We'll be here tomorrow night, regardless of whether Wemby plays or not. Hopefully we'll get to see Wemby versus DeJounte. We'll catch y'all.